Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. I'm thrilled to have on the show today, Brittany Castro. Brittany and I recently formed a, a partnership of sorts, if you want to call it that. And I'm, I'm just excited to share her journey and how we met and how this is all working. Uh, for those of you that don't know Brittany, she's an amazing woman. I, and I can't even begin to stress what that means by amazing. Uh, Brittany and I met a couple years ago. Uh, we've stayed in touch here and there. But when she decided that she wanted to change the direction of her career. Yes, financial planners do that too. She and I started talking about the directions that we could work together. So if you like somebody who has a very positive attitude, who's exciting to listen to, uh, she's been noted as a financial expert and go-to resource for national media outlets like CNN, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, CBS, Good Day News LA, KTLA, Fox 11 News, Glamour, Ellie, Mary Claire, Darlene, Entrepreneur, Women's World, Refinery 21, Financial Planning, Investment News, and many, many, many more. And we're thrilled to just recently learn that Brittany was elected one of the 40 under 40 in 2020 by Investment News as one of the 22 women to watch absolutely excited for that not only because she was noted but because there were 22 women to watch by investment news so please tune in grab your favorite beverage and really we hope you enjoy this show as much as we enjoyed recording it well Brittany, welcome to the show thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to to sit down and chat with us today i've been impatiently waiting for this interview for this discussion i should say so again really glad to have you on the show now i understand you're not a wine drinker but you know i love to open up the show and ask people what's your favorite beverage <laughs> yeah, so thank you for being willing to have me without <laughs> being a wine drinker um i if i drink i'm a big water connoisseur if i do say so myself i love water i drink a lot of water coffee is my vice and if i do have a drink it usually is a good tequila every now and then 
um, <laughs> what it is, but I just, it's a drink. I don't feel like terrible after the next day. And mm. I just, it's, it's nice. I, I'll just have tequila on a rock and it's pretty solid. It's benefit not to have consequences the next day. I'll tell you a quick, funny story that people will laugh at around tequila. Uh, I don't know if you know Raquel Hinman or not, but she's another financial planner. She's from out in the Denver, Colorado area. And she and I were at a conference together, sitting next to each other. And she was trying to think of the word fiesta. And she, she was trying to think of that word. And she said, what's the, the Spanish word for like party? And I looked at her and I said, tequila. <laughs> oh my God. So great. No, no, no. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up having margaritas that night, by the way. Nice. So it's fun. So right now I'm actually just, um, I, well, not at this very moment, but this week I am exploring some Italian wine. I think uh, people have heard me say that I'm traveling with my taste buds this summer because I can't travel anyplace else. So if, if you recall, I was doing German, I did first French wines in uh, July and then August was German wines and this week or this month is Italian wines. And there is a Ventosa vineyard that is in the Finger Lakes area of upstate New York that I have discovered that is a taste of Tuscany and the Finger Lakes. And I'm so excited to be trying some of their wines. Finger Lakes is not necessarily known as a Tuscan region, but they do have, um, they're, they're growing some Sangiovese grapes that would be made. Um, that's like a Chianti kind of, uh, so I'm very excited about that. So that's what I'm drinking this, this month. So I'm, I'm super I can't wait for you to have your own winery. <laughs> that happen. <laughs> I don't know how financially wise it is, but my mm. lack of knowledge, um, I do think you would be great at it. I think we have enough property to do that and right next to the water. So maybe I can tell my husband that that's what he should be doing in his spare time <laughs> is getting, getting the ground ready. <laughs> we came up with a good idea, Brett. <laughs> He'll love it. <laughs> so let's dive in and talk a little bit about your journey. Um, just for full disclosure, everybody that's listening, Brittany and I paired up in July of this year officially, and I'm so thrilled. That was one of the best decisions uh, our firm has made, um, uh, you know, as far as collaborating with with each other. And we've, we're so excited about what is coming out of this partnership and, and collaboration, first of all, and just the way that it's changed the dynamics of the team in such a positive way and added some influences in our vineyard per se that we didn't have. So we're thrilled to, to have done that. It was uh, quite a process as we were working through it through COVID-19 timeframe, right in the thick of it. So making some things a little more complicated. So um, we're, we're thrilled at what that has done for our business and, and, and Brittany jumping on board. But I want listeners to know your journey and your story, Brittany. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how, how you became the Brittany that you, I, I call it the magical Brittany that you are today. You're so sweet, Amy. Yes, I do agree. That decision that I think we were working on for some time behind the scenes has been so great. And um, 
I just adore you. And I, I'm so happy that the journey led me back to you (laughs) there, which was the funny part, but I had to go on a journey and then eventually found you and the rest of your team. And it's such a good harmony already. And um, it's really cool because I think even our clients are, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they complement our um, work and our decision so much. And it's great to feel that too. Um, So my journey, the short version, I got a degree with business economics, minor in sports management from UC Santa Barbara. Um, In 2006, I graduated. And at that time, there was a lot of job opportunities before the recession hit. So I got a a job offer to be a financial advisor at Ameriprise Financial. At that time, I had no idea what a financial advisor was. I did know I wanted to be a business owner, though. I always had this idea to own my own business from since I was a kid. Um, I thought I would do a restaurant because I just like people and I like that social element. In college, I thought I would be an event planner because I was really good at planning. And everyone always like asked me, Hmm. how do you manage your time so well? And I'm like, oh, I just do. I just know how to plan. Um, And I worked with an event planner and I realized I didn't like it. I wanted to (laughs) events, not necessarily plan the events, but the planning and then money was always easy for me. Like finance and math always just was like something I was good at. So my career counselor just said, why don't you take the job? You never know. That's basically what I did. I just accepted this job and it was very confusing because my brother was also graduating at the same time. He's a year older, but he did, you know, his um, timing of college. So he got an accounting job and his offer was so simple. Like, here's how much you're going to make in salary. Here are your benefits. Here's the ladder you'll climb up. And my job was like, oh, here's a draw, but it's commission. So if you don't make that, then technically you owe us back money. And my, you know, my household was just kind of very... Um, I guess, traditional, you know, in the mindset, like you just want to get a good job after college. And so trying to tell my parents about this job opportunity where I can make unlimited income, it didn't make sense for a lot of them. But I did, I just took the leap and dove in and um, I realized I was really good at it. And at that time, there's a lot of training still happening, which I tell people to this day, if I didn't have that, there's no way I could have done the things I did with, you know, go independent, start my own RA. So every Everyone, I think, really needs to get that type of experience and training, you know, and I was just fortunate at that time that that was still part of the path. Like as a new advisor, we literally had class to teach us how to market, how to do financial planning with clients, how to communicate with clients, how to run a practice. Like that was all part of the requirements of being a financial advisor. So I did really well at Ameriprise, you know, thrived in that in those like five years that I was there, won a lot of awards. But then also, Amy, I realized I wasn't the typical financial advisor. I learned it pretty quickly. Like obviously I was young, I was a woman, and I just had these ideas and I kept thinking, like, well, why do we need to restrict? Like, why do I have to be here on a Saturday making calls? Like, why can't I just be more efficient and do it my way? You know, and Mm -hmm. schedule the way I think, you know. So I started to just get that kind of experience experience and then realize I can't, I can't continue in this type of model. It's not going to work for me. Um, so I went to LPL Financial, which was a huge leap. I basically had to start over. 
And I, at that time, started like really studying online marketing, branding. This was in 2010. Got my CFP designation at the age of 26. So I was just pretty, uh, pretty young. Yeah, I was young. I was determined. I, it's just, I think now I realize just how I work. Like if I want something, I just make it happen. It's just part of me. I don't know how to, I don't know where it comes from. It's just me. Um, so I did that and then kind of like the timing was right again, because that's when social media was really taking off and people were building brands and using social media to influence or communicate their services. So I just did everything I could to study those models, you know, books, networking, courses, classes, mentors, um, and at LBL, I would call compliance every day and tell them why they needed to approve my tweet of the day, you know, because that, you know, our industry is not like legal. It's not forward thinking in that sense. I mean, now it's a lot easier, but back then it wasn't. Um, and then after a few years in that model, I just, I kind of always knew it would just be the stepping stone to having my own practice, my own firm. And at that time it was the RIA. And so I just figured out how to do the RIA and, here, here I am. And when I started the RAA, I guess it's about almost eight years now ago, I knew I wasn't just going to be a financial planner doing that. Like that was such a huge part of my business, the financial planning for fee only working with clients to really help them understand money, not just sell them products or say you need a million dollars in order to work with me. Like I saw this opportunity to serve the middle market, but also I knew at that time I wanted to almost replicate the Susie Orman model and be a thought leader and voice and the next generation uh, of financial planners and just like next generation of leveraging technology. So my business was always virtual, um, you know, and then I did a lot of speaking and then eventually like from day one, when I started the RA, I had a consulting client doing video content. So then I just developed all my skills with video and speaking and, and, you know, to this day, we continue to do that. And I continue to create content and that's, um, why, I think you and I partnering with just made total sense because mm-hmm. I like really focus more on the front end side of it. And I want to make sure our clients get the right advice and help that they need on their financial journey. But um, I knew like probably a few years ago, I just couldn't, I wasn't going to grow that side of my business. So I needed to find someone like you who was really good at that side. So I could be on the front end more and here we are. Well, one of the things that I have loved about you since the moment we were introduced years ago was the educational, the component of education that you've always implemented into your practice, into your life. Um, it's really super. And, and that's always, that's a piece that I'm, you know, so I believe is so important because not everybody reaches out to financial planners and not everybody can afford a financial planner in their mind. So you know, having tidbits of information that keeps them or helps to educate them, then that gets them started on that path of, you know, what do I, how do I want to grow this further? And, um, you know, I just, I think with the, like with the videos that you're doing and the tweets that you're doing and the Instagram that you're doing, that really does get people thinking about certain things. And that's so critical to what we need right now, just in general is financial education. I think so. And it's, it's nice because I think now we're at this new era, it's like I call it like the wild, wild west and financial education is becoming very obvious that companies, you know, communities need it. 
Um, and it's just been something I've been preaching from day one, like for 15 years now, you know, and developing content around education to help people understand money, not just like the tactical things of budgeting and saving, but mm-hmm. mindset, how to behave, how to manage money with your spouse, like the real life stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Um, so that ultimately they live a good life and they're not stuck in that fear or stress around money that we see so often is the default if people don't have the tools to choose another way. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great time right now. I think just with everything happening this year, um, more and more companies are, you know, putting the money behind these campaigns and it's great for, you know, someone like me who has been doing that kind of content for a while now. Now, when you, you were mentioning like when you were in college or getting out of college and you and your brother were graduating at the same time, did you grow up in a household that was where money was a topic of conversation? You know, were you involved in that from a pretty young age? Um, yes and no. Like, it's interesting. My money story, I would say my parents, my dad was, you know, a police officer and my mom pretty much stayed home and raised the kids. So they were really good at budgeting, you know, to raise a family of five off of one income. I, to this day, still don't really understand how they did it. <laughs> a lot of sacrifice and a lot of budgeting and living within their means. Um, though I remember those sorts of things. Like they always told us like, oh, this is how much we have. If, you know, that's it. That's the budget, you know. But it wasn't like they sat down and gave us any formal education around investing. Like, uh, honestly, until I became a financial advisor, my parents really didn't know, um, you know, investing and how to manage money wisely. They knew real estate and they knew budgeting and saving. Like, And those are incredible things to know um, and important, too. But yeah, I think like little things like my mom always budgeting money with the grocery store uh, or when we would get back to school supplies, like there was always an awareness around this is how much money we have to spend right now. And like she was such a good and to this day, she's really good at it, like stretching her dollars, making resourceful and um and my father, when I was 16, he sat me down and we got a joint credit card, an American Express credit card to get um, start building credit. So he knew the importance of that. Um, and he told me, you can only charge your gas and you have to pay it off. And I had a job. So he's like, you know, how to use my own money to pay it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and he monitored it. So those things, they did help us. Which I think, you know, kind of shaped when I was 16. By the time I think I was 22, I had saved so much money, like 40 grand from just part-time jobs. Because I was, you know, at that time, I'm like, dang, that's pretty cool. But I had just gotten into this habit of, you know, I liked, I liked this idea of tracking money, making money. I love this idea of making money. I thought, oh, I can make money and then I could save it. And then I could do things I want to do with it. So I always kind of thought like money was this tool for me to have more freedom beyond what my parents could provide me. Um, and this day I see it that way. Like money allows me to create this life that I want to live. Um, yeah. Did you take any classes in school at all? Was there anything in high school that drove some of this? I mean, so somebody who's 16 years old to have saved $40,000, that's a pretty unusual chunk of money that a 16 year old has saved. I, I don't know. I know I didn't learn it in school. We didn't get, I mean, like most people, there was no formal financial education happening, but my parents, you know, they are good savers and they, that's what they knew. That was like something they knew so um, well was you make money, you save it. Um, 
So I think it's just, you know, this, like we're all so unique with our money. So I think it was just part of my personality um, to want to do that. And it kind of became a game. Like I enjoyed it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it was Mm -hmm. fun for me to see my savings account go up. It was fun for me to get another waitress job so I could earn more tips so I could save it. And then, you know, I had these goals of, oh, I want to use it for a new car eventually or travel eventually. Um, so, yeah, I think that's yeah part of the personality. Pretty cool, Brittany. I have to say, I didn't know that part of your money story. So I think that's it's really unique. Um, and, and for people, I think some of your story, why especially is that when people say, well, I was never taught this or, you know, it, it's not something that we're um, it's true. We weren't taught in a lot of cases, but it's something that you can go self-educate on. And you did a lot of that to know exactly what to do with your money when you were saving it and why you wanted to. So I, I think that's a, a really cool part of your story. When, when you, um, um, listeners probably know, uh, I may have brought it up once or twice, but I also did an internship with Ameriprise. Um, it was actually called IDS at the time. So it was pre-Ameriprise name. So it was way back in the 90s. And then when I went back to college to get all of my CFP education to, so I could sit for the CFP, the, um, I did another uh, sort of uh, internship with when it was truly Ameriprise. And the thing that, yeah, the thing that I always got hung up with, with Ameriprise was it was, it was, it was definitely the old traditional style. Um, They, they really hadn't converted into, um, you know, like fee-based planning or anything like that at that point in time. And I, I knew that as a financial planner, I really needed to be spending my time doing the planning uh, piece predominantly. And I think that's what you found out as well when you made that transition. Yeah, I think so. And that was just, it just made sense for me. Like the planning part of money management was just easy for me to wrap my head around. The other stuff, I just said, well, why would I sell someone an insurance policy if they don't need it? Like. It didn't make sense to me. Um, Yeah, but the planning always just made sense. Like everybody needs help with planning. Like nobody gets this education. And even if you do, there's only certain areas of the money arena that people learn, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. There's so much more to it. And when we talk about forming like the vineyard part of your, your life, right? So that formation part, when you think about influences that have helped you, you know, form that really strong vineyard. And for, for people that don't know, um, or, or want to know more about some of the things that you're doing, Instagram is a great place to check you out as well as, uh, Twitter, I know is a, is a great place also. But when you're thinking about that formation of the vineyard, who would you say is, or what would you say is most influential in providing a lot of those nutrients? Oh, so many people throughout my journey. I, would first say that in the beginning, it was a lot of virtual mentors. I read every money book and I still do to this day. So I learned a lot virtually, you know, from like the great Wallace Waddles um, about, you know, money mindset and to, you know, a random walk down Wall Street to Mm. recently Tony Robbins. Yeah. You know, I think books have always been my outlet to learn more. I, I like to read. Um, learning also came through the experiences I had with clients and the workshops I would teach for 15 years, teaching workshops or events or speaking. And you talk to so many people and you expand what you know about any subject. And this, my subject was money, right? 
because there's so many different universes happening. I think of each person as a universe and what you might define as wealth might be different than me, you know, or what you might value in life might be different than me. And so to be able to kind of like a child, just be curious about money and people's views or behaviors, it's so fun to me. Um, And then uh, spiritually, I do a lot of meditation retreats and I have a spiritual teacher who really, I think, was the one who helped me embrace the wealth mindset. So beyond just having money in your account, it's Mm -hmm. how do you enjoy the money? How do you live abundantly and feel rich and give to others and not worry about money. Um, And it was just through a lot of like experiences, uh, retreats, trial and error. (laughs) You know, my friend recently told me, oh, you have such good money energy, like your wealth energy. And I'm like, yes, I do. And I've worked on it. Like, you know, so I always am very real with people. Like my family is middle class. My parents did really well for themselves, given what they had. But also, you know, I could look at their story and say, well, maybe they're too tight with their money. I I wish they would enjoy their money more, you know, now. But Mm -hmm. that's their path, right? So um, yeah, I think mentors can, or people who shape your money experience can come in all forms. Um, and it could just be strangers, you know, that you hear. I have a friend who actually teaches me a lot. Like she's just this little negotiator. Like I love her <laughs> everywhere we go, her, her approach to life is to ask a lot of questions and like figure it out, you know, whereas my approach might be to like maybe do some research first and then go in with a little knowledge. Like she just maneuvers through life by asking a lot of questions and negotiating Mm. um, what she needs or wants by talking to people, you know? And, and so I learned from her, you know, I I learned from everybody that I'm with. I kind of just stay like this child like mentality because it helps me enjoy life more. And then I learn a lot. I love that Uh, because you you are um, in some ways, you said like you enjoy that childlike naivety, but you're so smart. Like, you know, when it comes to, to develop, I mean, you know what you want, which helps, right. But, but when it comes to developing what you want within your life and what's around you and how you want to surround yourself and how you want your business to run, like that's something that you're, you're pretty honed in on and pretty, pretty um, in tune with. And you've asked a lot of questions maybe in a different way than she does, but you're very inquisitive. Uh, and I think, you know, you're such a, one of the things that struck me the first time I ever met you was that you're such a listener and that's a really tough skill. Yeah. I I think I have always had that quality to listen and just be, um, empathetic, but I just, I, it's authentic. I really just enjoy connecting with people and I love listening to people's stories or, uh, I don't know. I, I, I get so much out of it. So I appreciate you saying that I do listen, um, a lot. And actually that's kind of like, like you said, my unique skill set, right? Like I, that's actually how I get a lot of what I want. I kind of like assess the situation, observe what's happening 
and then decide like, okay, what do, what do I want out of this? Or how am I going to respond to the situation? But yeah, listening is a really good quality, especially in our industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is. It's super important that, you, and I think you, you just start sort of caring too. And that's, that comes with that listening a bit, um, but it is authentic. And, and that to me, like when I'm, when we have our weekly meetings, often I always walk away feeling more calm which I think is um, something that, you know, it's just your aura around you. And because it's like, well, you know, we'll work on this or we'll do this. And I, I, I hear clients say that to me too. Like after they talk to me, they walk away feeling, you know, calmer about a particular situation. And I, I think when you're not in the thick of it, right, then you're able to sort of take it, take a step back and say, well, what about this idea? And that brings some, centering to the the conversation and to people's lives quite a bit. So, you know, when I was thinking about this podcast, recording this podcast, and I was thinking about the the formation of it and like what feeds the formation of a vineyard and the nutrients. And I know one of the questions that I always like to ask is like, you know, who's been important in, in forming that? And I I thought, man, she's been pretty important in the last 12 months in forming my vineyard. <laughs> oh, Amy, I adore you. You're so <laughs> you mentioned some good books. We'll try to put all of those in the show notes because I think it is important for people to know that there's some good books out there that if they want to, they can they read those books to start their journey. But we also all have challenges in the formation of our vineyard. And um, some are current challenges that we're afraid of facing, or some are, you know, obstacles that we've overcome. And I and I like to share you know, how people have overcome them, if you don't mind, if you can think of a particular obstacle that you may have maybe have overcome and, and how how you approached that obstacle and in, in making it a successful outcome. Oh, so many. And I'm always real with that, too. I think um, with every success someone might see, there's so many mistakes, <laughs> you know, attempts, failed attempts, mm-hmm. you know, but I think you know, in anyone's journey, you just kind of realize if you don't give up and you keep going, eventually you're going to land where you need to be. Um, gosh, I'm just trying to think of recent mistakes. You know, I, uh, there's so many. Being a business owner, I think most weeks you kind of show up with your intentions and then you navigate with <laughs> the challenge of the week, right? <laughs> um, so, Amy, I mean, whether it was you know, getting hit with a huge tax bill and I didn't have the money for because I wasn't paying quarterly taxes, even though I knew I should in the beginning to having low money in my account, but needing to make payroll um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, dealing with an upset client for whatever reason, you know, you think you do so much for a client and yet their expectations still weren't met. And that happened a few times in the eight years, but you know, they still kind of like, not because mm-hmm. they're like, Oh man, you know, here, I thought I was amazing for my clients, but this one, I just can't make happy. Um, to even just like a lot of it too, challenges are just, how do you deal with everything you need to do? Um, and do it well. Uh, Lately, I would say the challenge this year for me was probably just learning how to be more like I do a lot of consulting projects. So how to just 
get more clear and not demand, but really get what I want on terms of like payment amount or payment term. Like I think chasing people to pay me invoices, like that's, mm-hmm. but it just finally took me to like take the emotion out and just say, no, this is how it works. You, here's mm-hmm. a voice, it's due. Uh, so what's mm-hmm. the problem? But you know, five years ago, that would have been like, <gasps> oh my God, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, So I think there's challenges all the time and you just kind of show up, do your best, learn. And then the next time you're better, you know, because they keep coming until you kind of figure out how you're going to handle it where they don't affect you so much, you know, and every time the challenge comes, I always say it like it's a different flavor every time. So they kind of trick you like, oh, no. I've never had to deal with this, but you're like, well, looking back at my life though, I've done a lot of things. I've overcome a lot of challenges. So this is just a new flavor, but it's the same kind of, you know, journey of handling it, growing from it, learning because it never ends. It's life. I think that one of the things that I love about what you just said personally is that, um, you 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 got focused on what you needed to get done to to have the business be successful right i think a lot of times as women and i'm not trying to gender you know genderize this at all but i do think as women we tend to be like oh well okay you know well we'll give a discount or we'll do this or you know don't we feel bad, you know, they used our service, but we didn't get paid. But you get to a point where your calendar and your your business sense actually kicks in and says, no, if I was a guy, I wouldn't tolerate this. You know, that um, I think is, I'm not saying that that's what you went through, but I, I know for me personally, I my first few years in business, I was doing a lot of work and sometimes, you know, just didn't want the confrontation. Yeah. And then finally got to the point where it's like, I'm busting my hump. You know, I am going to, I deserve to get paid. And now I'm going to, now I'm going to start, ta- I'm going to take off that hat of the nice Amy and become Amy, the business owner. Not that I'm not still nice, but I know I have a business to run and I can't expand my business if I don't accept payment. And it's the same with salary negotiation, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. And I would agree that it takes that learning to not be nicey nice and like wishy washy. And just like you said, say, no, I'm running a business and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I need my money. <laughs> like I'm valuable. I did the work. And then you kind of build like what I call a muscle. And then eventually, like now I'm so confident asking because I know everything I bring to the table. I mean, I'm not like an entitled, arrogant person about it, but I also feel like, no, I've worked so hard, you know, (laughs) like, and everyone in my immediate circle would agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might think it's easy for me to do XYZ, but I've been doing it for 15 years. So actually, I'm good because I put in the effort and time and money to get to this level. So this is what I'm worth, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier for me now because I have like this track record. But yeah, I think in the beginning, I was kind of like, not. I was never too much of that. Like, I know what you mean with, especially I think women tend to do this, like more of the bartering system with Mm -hmm. endeavors. I was always pretty clear, like, no, this is business, but still I I needed to learn how to um, just be business. And like you said, it doesn't mean you're not nice. It's just, this is how it works. And Mm -hmm. it actually just took like my team of professionals around me, like having a great attorney, you 
know, a great CPA who just are matter of fact, and you just kind of like mimic how other people do it um, and take that extra emotion out of the journey. And I've seen people even in, you know, 30 or sometimes 25, uh, 30 years into their career still think that, you know, they're, it's, it's a, they don't want confrontation or they don't, they don't want to, um, they don't want to talk about salary. You know, it's, it's very uncomfortable for them, but I think we, we all can learn from that lesson that you just said is that I'm worth it. And there's, um, there's, that's, we are worth it. And we need to start asking for our worth, regardless of how long we've been in the job and, uh, what, what the, I guess what the barriers might be, even of ourself, you know, like how are we putting barriers in our way sometimes? I think it's always ourself is where the barrier is because the moment you kind of realize, like it, it too, especially for women, what I say is, yeah, maybe you were a, a mom for a few years, didn't work, but think about the skills you have as a mother. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Valuable, you know, you took you took care of a human being, like you're responsible multitask these are valuable things and for us not to just like you say undermine ourselves and i think it just is it's it's a self journey really anything you want in life it's just for what i've learned anyway it's just me like whether i get it or not um because the opportunities are there no matter what's going on it's just do i want to open up to them and do the work to like grow myself to a level to receive them or do i just want to complain and be stuck and victim mode <laughs> and every moment the choice is there so meditating and my retreats really have been the the main thing for me um work on this and even learn how to communicate effectively and and not get so emotional about it well you mentioned meditation and i know that's a big part of your life it's a very big part of your life how do you feel that that's one of the strong nutrients right now to to help you overcome some of those challenges and obstacles absolutely 100% without a doubt I meditate every day in the morning I do retreats I work on myself a lot of meditation is becoming aware of things that are happening and for me like if I'm doing something or getting a specific result that I don't want or like then I think okay well what do I need to do to change it Um, or if I can change it, then how do I just accept it fully and be with it and not suffer? Mm -hmm. So it brings that type of awareness and consciousness to my days. And also when you talk about like clarity, I get a lot of clarity. Oh, here's what I want. Like people always used to ask me like, Oh, how did you get this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I meditated and it's not the answer they want to hear, but it's really, that's how it works. I meditated. I wanted a consulting client. I got one. I meditated. I wanted to work with a big financial institution. I got it. You know? So it what or and it's not like it happens overnight. Sometimes you have to grow to become the person mm-hmm. you did to receive what you want. And that takes a humbling and it takes that self-growth and self-reflection and work to maybe for me, you know, believe it's possible, open up to what I need to change in order to receive it. Um so meditation me is just it's like huge. It allows you to be, like you said, open up to um, the confidence that you should have, right? I mean, that's one of the things that I've found is when I'm really anxious about something or I'm feeling unconfident or imposter syndrome is setting in, if I can just go get some quiet. And for me, it's being near water and just sunshine doesn't hurt, you know, but taking 10 or 15 minutes to just let the heat of the sun and the 
the smell of the water around me and my mind clear itself, then I can, I can walk away from that 15 minutes feeling, um, you know, clear, clear about what I want and how I need to address the particular issue. And uh, you and I have talked about our, our meditation practices. Yours is much more ingrained in you than, than mine is, but I think I mentioned to you originally that I couldn't, I used to try to um, do like the meditation apps and they could set it for a particular period of time. 10 minutes can seem really long when you're doing one of those apps, but 15 minutes out in the sunshine near water goes in a heartbeat, you know? Yeah. And I think it's, everybody is so uniquely different. So just to tap, tap in and what it, what is it that you need is so important. And it helps a lot on our financial journeys too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't need to do anything. I just need to wait. <laughs> and that's hard, you know? Um, <laughs> like waiting is hard or I just need to be. Uh, there's really nothing else I can do right now that would, and maybe if I did something, it would actually make it worse. So I just need to relax and enjoy the moment and not do anything. But that type of clarity I know for myself will, will only comes when I'm like in that kind of space and more tapped in, I would say. Mm-hmm. So based on that, what is your definition of success? Oh, good question. I would say for me, success means living a happy, healthy, abundant life um, where I have a lot of meaningful connections. I have a lot of love. Um, I have a lot of passion and purpose. And it really starts with me. Uh, I am a big believer. Like people will say, oh, you're so passionate about this. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm passionate about that. I'm just a passionate person. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So I feel like anything I do, like people would be like, you're so passionate about finance. And I'm like, yes, but also I'm passionate about dance or I'm passionate about, you know, my connections with my family or friends and my spiritual community, you know? So I think it's developed within me and it carries forth to these different things that I have in my life or create in my life. Um, Yeah, success has never been probably like you and many like, oh, I need this house and the car and the money. I think it's wonderful. This is part of abundance to enjoy the pleasures of life. There's no lack. The lack, I think, comes from our own mental mm-hmm. restrictions. But um, it's not going to be happy. You know, we know this because we see it all the time with our jobs. M- more money doesn't mean more happiness. So you need to find that version of success regardless of what externally is happening. And I know the most, you know, blissful times were irrelevant to like what my bank account showed or, you know, clothes I was wearing or designer handbag I had. It was just the feeling, the moments, whether it was with, you know, connecting with the ocean and like the vast universe or just people around me, my, my loved ones. Those are the moments to me that matter the most. And I, and there is that diminishing returns factor that we've read read so much about that basically I think once you get to like seventy five thousand dollars and all your basic needs are taken care of that the each dollar you earn above that actually does not bring the happiness that that first seventy five thousand dollars allows you to experience right because right. let's face it if we're earning money then we're able to do some things that we wouldn't be able to do but we can surround ourselves with our friends and our families and. Um, and the people that we want to be around at, at no cost, to be honest. But if we're looking at some of the events that we want to share with them, then yes, sometimes, you know, that, that extra money can bring 
some joy, but there's been study after study that basically says once you get to around $75,000 and it might range based on the area that you live in, but there's really not, it doesn't bring you much for additional happiness. It actually brings you more anxiety. It's true. That's why I talk a lot. You and I both talk a lot about the the mindset is so important Um, because yes, I agree. Like, and look, I'm not one of these frugal financial, uh, you know, like advocate, like save every penny. No, I believe we should all enjoy and embrace the abundance of the world, but do it in a way, a level, I should say, that's appropriate for you. You know, so just whether it's a million dollars you need or $75,000, just figure it out, but don't get lost in it. You know, I think that's the biggest advice I would always hear. Just don't get lost in any one thing you do in life. You know, don't get lost in your work. Don't get lost in your money. Enjoy it. Make it happen. Have it. But none of it goes with you. Mm -hmm. That's right. You know, just always remember what's most important. Well, I love your definition of success. And I want to shift gears to the end of our podcast where what we call the Nourish Your Vine section, where we take just a few minutes for you to provide some, maybe one financial lesson and that you've learned in your life that you'd love, or it could be tip in your case, that you'd love for every listener to, to actually walk away from with. One of the biggest financial tips that um, a good mentor, more than a mentor, a very loved one in my life told me years ago, and it still always like chimes in my head, is never take your eye off the money. Um, and what I mean by this is throughout your life, you're going to have money, manage it, make it, use it, save it, invest it, deplete it. But it's really up to you. So no matter how big your empire gets, your business gets, your financial life gets, yes, you hire the right people like a certified financial planner, a CPA, all the others that you might need to manage, but never take your eye off of it. Like it's your money, it's your responsibility. And I think that's such a valuable tip because a lot of people have this um, avoidance mentality. You you and I know just because we've helped so many people in our careers and lifetime. And, and then sometimes they'll like get a good motivation and really stay on top of it. And then life happens and it gets complex and they kind of like stop paying attention as much. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of the mistakes happen, whether it's not leveraging all the tax deductions they could get, or maybe just not managing their investments wisely or paying too much in fees. So it's so important for us not to get neurotic with money, but never take your eye off of it. And that's like actually a fun thing. Like you you work hard, you make the money, like honor it, respect it, keep an eye on it (laughs) throughout your life. That's it. I think that's an excellent tip. Mm -hmm. And I'll add to that, that one of my favorite is not only keep your eye on it, but have a conversation with it. Love that. Yeah. (laughs) There's um, often, you know, when there's things that, uh, that I'm thinking about buying, I'll say, well, do I really want that? Is it really going to improve my life? Am I going to get great joy out of it? Especially some of the bigger ticket items. And if Ultimately, it's like, eh, then I walk away from it, right? And I, I still subscribe to the um, the cart rule, like put it in the cart and then come back and see if I'm really as excited about it when I first entered it into the cart. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, but having that conversation with money and, and never keeping your eye on it, I, I, I believe those are, are great tips. And I, I so appreciate you taking time to be on the show and to share your journey so that a lot of people are aware of it. And 
um, also all the great ideas and, and tips, I guess that you, you know, you shared while you were on. And I know we're standing between this podcast is standing between you and you taking some much needed vacation time. So I'll close with just saying thank you once again. And we know that just as a side note, this collaboration that Brittany and I have formed is just so exciting. And we hope that all the listeners are just as excited for us. And if you want to know more about it, you can hop on over to either of our websites to, which we'll have in the show notes to, to, to learn more about what we're doing and to get as excited about finance as we are. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Amy. I really enjoyed, you know, I love talking to you. So this was, this was really fun. Likewise. <laughs> And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.